as you mature, I think. Milen, it's so lovely to meet you here on Zoom. Lovely to meet you too. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's so lovely to, to uh, I would love to hear your story. And But first I want to know, do I pronounce your name right? Milen. Milen. Yeah. Because so- I... I yeah, I wrote on your. Uh, I read your your bio, and I you you explained it there. So, do people pronounce your name in America? Do they pronounce it as Mylene? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they never know how to pronounce it. <laughs> oh, okay. But um, oh, it was wonderful to talk to you, and um, I, I'm I'm fascinated by your writing. You, you've got a very lovely blog post um, where you write about art. And um, yeah, okay. And where does this love for writing start? It it started at a very young age, maybe when I was around eight, um, eight years old, I just started writing little stories that were kind of fantastical, but they were just, just what was going through. It was just my imagination. And uh it seemed to get the attention of of, <laughs> of my friends and family, so that seemed to work. <laughs> um, but, but I was also- fantasy. But these these fantasy stories, uh, did you have a great imagination? I think, like any child, you know, I think every child has a great imagination. I I, I wouldn't consider myself any, you know, different from from other children. I think children usually. Uh, are very imaginative and creative so but wonderful that you that you wrote it down so do uh, do you still have these stories i think my mom kept them really? in a notebook yes <laughs> oh that is so sweet <laughs> yeah and then how did that how did the writing develop from there i always was journaling uh, I, I, since I was a kid, uh, it was just a way for me to make sense of the world. I've always been very introverted. I think that's changed with age. I've I've been more balanced now between introversion, and extroversion, somewhere in the middle. But when I was a kid, I was very very much alone, and so it was just a way to to make sense of my thoughts and my feelings. And it's something I always did journaling, and I loved write, reading as well. Um, yeah. Uh, that's always been a constant. I've dabbled in a lot of things, but writing has always been my constant, I would say. There was a time I had a hiatus where I didn't write in my journal and it was devastating. Oh, <laughs> I, really? Yeah. Um, uh, but um, so yeah, you, no. when you say journal, so you just write every day something about what you did that day. So, and do you keep these journals? I do keep them and it's not necessarily a journal about what's happening in the day. It's more uh, just uh, trying to sort out my thoughts and make okay. sense of the world kind of, it's not like a diary in a sense. It's more yeah. like me having a conversation with, with me. <laughs> oh, okay. But that must be amazing. So if you look back over a few years and, and you see your thought processes, that must be very interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. I I don't go back very much, but uh, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I have all of I also started painting when I was around the same age. Uh, I did my first acrylic big painting when I was about eight. Um, So that's also been always uh, there. 
but that went on a long hiatus and I dabbled in many other things and, and now I'm going back to painting. Um, Amazing. Uh, but yeah. do you come from a, a family where uh, an artistic family where people painted and, and you know, or, or uh, artists in your family? My mother was a graphic artist and she painted, uh, but she mostly uh, worked with Indian ink and did perspective drawings, very detailed perspective drawings oh, okay. in Indian ink. She was a commercial artist and my great grandfather was a, uh, an engraver. Um, he, mm. he designed the money for Chile. Really? <laughs> um, yes. So very detailed, similar to my mother, um, yeah. very detailed fine lines with, with, well, engraving, it's very detailed. So, uh, and then my dad sides, well, my dad is a scientist, so the other, but that's also very creative. He was a neurophysiologist and neuroscientist. He did research in Alzheimer's and um, muscular degenerative diseases like ALS and muscular dystrophy, things like that. So amazing. Yeah, yeah I think there's, there's definitely a, a link between the arts and sciences. They must be, there's, you know, this. Well, you're trying to discover something that that people haven't realized exists. Yeah, <laughs> and, and exactly. it's the same with art. I mean, with art, you're just you're creating something that hasn't existed before. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, science is empirical, but it's different, obviously. But you you are trying to bring into the world something uh, that wasn't known before, or seen before, or, uh, or understood before. Yeah. So but you you write about art, so yeah. you um yeah, and how did this, these two come together? The love you must love art to be able to look into these paintings like this and and you know talk about or write about it like that. Well, it started gradually. So I was a journalist for many years, and I was interviewing people of many different prominent people of different backgrounds. And uh, I was working as full-time staff for the Epoch Times then. And uh, I was doing this series called This A Tiny New York. This is New York. Um, and uh, one of these interviews with was with an uh, um, artist, Jacob Collins. He's a painter. He was the first artist I interviewed, and he's <laughs> he's still one of my top favorites. Really? And uh, mm -hmm. after I interviewed him, that article did very well. It went viral, which was very unusual for an arts article for a newspaper. And uh, my um, the editor, the managing editor of the paper at the time, he was very much a numbers guy. And he said, oh, Milan, this article did so well. Why don't you just concentrate on artists? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> So I said, I, I was very hesitant at first and resistant to the idea because I, I like to meet and talk to people of all different backgrounds. But uh, I went with it because, you know, he was my boss and then I loved it. And uh, I uh, I didn't know many artists in the city. So I asked Jacob Collins to to recommend uh, other artists. And, and then I just started interviewing artists and uh, Mm -hmm. And I found them so fascinating. I got so deep in it that after some years, four years or five years, I don't remember exactly. I thought, well, I'm tired of writing about them. I want to become them. <laughs> so yeah. so I, I kind of went native as anthropologists uh, say. You know? 
Yeah. But um, amazing. Did, did you learn from them? Did you learn about different art forms then? Well, in, in art, did you learn that from them then? Or did that make you inquisitive to, to say, look at other paintings as well? Well, first of all, I've always been interested in the arts. And from a very young okay. age, I always visited museums with especially with my mom and um, and friends. But uh, um, the artists I was interviewing were all, I would say, traditional artists in the sense more than like draftsmen, uh, painters, sculptors, uh, painting in, uh, uh, in a very representational way. Um, so I, I had uh, in my past, I had dabbled in different art forms, including filmmaking, dance, uh, I was a gymnast when I was a kid. I did performance art. I did installation art. I did wow. all in the background. So um, when I entered this world through Jacob Collins, I dove deep into the more traditional arts. And But by then, my taste in art had all, already been evolving and changing all along. So one of the interesting, similar to the journaling and looking at the, my past journals is that uh, I've always collected um, uh, cards from museums that I visit. Mm -hmm. really? So, and I keep them pretty much in chronological order. So when I go through that box of cards, I can see how my taste in art has changed as well over the years. And uh, it's changed a lot. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, yeah, because if I, the reason why I ask is, if I speak to artists or if I speak to musicians and they talk about music that I didn't know, you know, then it makes me so inquisitive to go and listen to the music because sometimes they describe it or they talk about the music and you think, oh, this this is amazing. You know, I want to hear it. I want to, to understand more of this music. So, uh, yeah, this is, is, is this also something that you got from from these interviews? Absolutely. And then I became friends with many of these artists and we would go to museums and they would talk about these paintings in a way that I didn't quite understand. So then I wanted to understand more deeply. And I'm the kind of writer that I have to experience things to be able to write about them. So, I I, well, and one of the artists, uh, Jordan Sokol, um, he is the director of the Lyme Academy in Connecticut. He mentioned to me and he recommended, they also recommended to me many books. So they pretty much educated me as I went along interviewing them. Uh, he he recommended this book of art critics at the turn of the century. And he said, you know, art critics knew more deeply about the craft uh, of art, of painting, drawing and sculpting uh, more than art critics do now, for sure. And I thought, oh, I, I don't feel quite qualified. I need to learn more deeply to be able to write better about them. So then I started taking uh, part-time drawing classes at Grand Central Atelier. And uh, and then I got hooked. But do you think this is the reason why the why previously the, the art critics knew so much is because they themselves were involved in art? Do you think I, that makes a difference now for you? It certainly makes a difference for me. Um, I don't necessarily think it's a requirement for every arts writer, but I, I, I do think it, it is a plus. Mm -hmm. um, for example, the the art historian Carmen Bombach, she's the top expert on 
Da Vinci Michelangelo, now she's writing a book on um, on Raphael. She, at a young age, she was copying Michelangelo drawings. Um, really? And that's how she made a discovery of a certain drawing that didn't know, that wasn't known, um, what was it attributed to? And she she knew exactly which part of the Sistine Chapel that preliminary drawing was indicating because she had made all those copies uh, at a younger age. And I think in her 20s or teens, I'm not sure exactly when. Um, so it does give you deeper insight experiencing what you write about, I think. I, I studied um, anthropology as my undergraduate degree and it's similar uh, idea, I guess, that you live with the people you write about for mm. a year or longer to be able to understand their culture. So I, that's kind of what happened to me with these painters and sculptors. I, I was, you know, I basically went yeah. native, as I said earlier. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, and of course, when they recommend and, and the more you talk to them, I can imagine that you get inspired. So what was it like when when you did your first drawing? Oh, um, it was a it was quite a journey. I did a cast drawing of a of a, an ear. Uh, it was very at Grand Central Atelier, and um, it, it's Grand Central Atelier is very special uh, in their way of teaching. Um, and uh, I, I felt my like my brain was being rewired. I was making new neuro connect <laughs> my my transmission yeah. brain. <laughs> it was like mental gymnastics, you know, like yeah. new pathways being created. And it was it was fast. I started to see things I I hadn't been able to see before. I think there's a there's a quote, I think it's Ruskin. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. There's a quote, uh, Juliet Aristides, who's written many books. Uh, and she's also a, an artist and she's written many books about uh, about um, atelier um, trained art. art. Uh, I think she quoted him and said that you haven't really seen something until you've attempted to draw it. Um, I, can, I can totally believe that because I think also, um, I, I've spoken to a few um, sculptors who say that they notice on people, you know, like the nose, the ear. So they they watch things on people that to to be able to sculpt it. And, and now that you're saying about the ear that you were drawing, and yeah, I can I, I can absolutely imagine that you have to then be so focused on on uh, you know what you're drawing. Yes. And, and after I did that drawing of the cast of that ear and the cast is, I, is a copy of, I think Michelangelo's uh, David's ear. So okay. yeah, okay. <laughs> basically connecting with Michelangelo as well, I guess, indirectly. Um, I was, you know, riding the subway or the train and looking at people's features, especially their ears and <laughs> how different they were. And, but also, especially on the subway, I would start looking at everybody's face and features and drawing them in my mind mm. uh, wanting to draw them as as I was sitting there watching and New York is a perfect place to watch a lot of different I can imagine yeah <laughs> so it's a great <laughs> busy on the subway <laughs> yes <laughs> entertained at least <laughs> people watching <laughs> So, um, and this was then the first time you drew, but you said you did art as a child as well. 
Yes. And I did take a figure drawing class in my first year of in freshman year of undergraduate uh, degree as an elective. Uh, I remember my advisor saying, well, why did you take this class? And I thought, well, I just wanted to. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I think I think it took a long time for me to really give my per, per, myself permission to 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 go ahead and paint. I think it's always been an underlying passion that was kind of dormant and I wasn't allowing it to come out until finally I became mature enough to allow myself to do that. I never had trouble identifying myself as a writer. That came easily to me. But uh, painting, I, I still consider myself very much a student and I'm still studying. But I think the the learning process is endless. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't consider myself a professional artist by any means. I'm I still call myself a for sure a Sunday painter because I'm still learning, um, but it, it is it is something I want to focus on more. But uh, you know, time is limited, and I'm also trying to write a book and writing articles, and yeah. <laughs> I'm also editing. So it's you know it's slow, but it's always it's there. It's something I want to give it more time. So, but you I, said that the writing is a way. You felt the writing was a way to express yourself. And um, and also I spoke to uh, an artist who does illustrations and she said that the illustrations for her is a way to express herself. So she she can really it's almost for her like a therapy. Do you find the painting if you can if you can compare now so with how you feel about writing, do you think that is also a way of expressing yourself? Oh, definitely. Um... But I, I find with both, I think there's a transition that happens also with how we mature. So I think in the beginning, there's this instinct for artists to want to make their mark and say, hey, I am here. I exist. I want to show my mark in the world. It's a way of, you know, becoming immortal, so to speak. Uh, like graffiti artists. Why, why do people do graffiti? It's it's to make oh, their yeah. mark. I am here. I exist. Mm. And I think that's a, a very human impulse, uh, and that's definitely there with every artist. But I think as one matures and, you know, you're trying to sort yourself out, and it's also a healing journey, I would say. It, as you mature, I think gradually uh, you become a little bit more selfless and want to give more to the world and for me, I think art is, is very much about expressing beauty. So uh, it's it's when I'm when I'm painting or uh, I'm not thinking so much about myself. I'm, I'm thinking I want to express the beauty that I experience or that I see, and I want to give that as a gift to others to inspire them. It's um, and beauty is sort of like a breadcrumb to to the divine in in, in my belief. So uh, it's a way. You turn from looking inward towards yourself and more wanting to give to others. And that's a very gradual process. And of course, there's always that element of still wanting to be uh, seen as uh, here I am, I exist to to wanting to to um, uh, be more giving <laughs> to yeah. those others. Um but I think it's the same for both writing and 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 um, and and painting or or any other art form. Uh, with my journaling, it's very personal. It's more like trying to almost like self therapy. I was I would oh, yeah. say yeah. The painting is 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 more um, yeah more of a gift. I would say of giving uh, more selfless. <laughs> okay.
But when you write about the art, what, how do you decide on which artist to write about or which art piece to write about? Is there something that if you look at a piece or if, if you, uh, you know, go to a gallery, is there something that you think, oh, I, I want to write about it? Or do you have sort of a discipline where you just um, write about, you know, what you think people will, will be interested in? Mm. Uh, that's well, when I was a staff writer at Epoch Times, I had deadlines, so I had to mm -hmm. constantly mm -hmm. very quickly find somebody or something to write about. So there wasn't much time to think about it. But I would uh, I, I limited myself to traditional realist artists. Uh, so that, that narrowed down. And uh, and because that was my interest and also it aligned with the interest of the paper. Um, and then to choose the artworks well more recently um i'm i'm in i'm independent so now it's it depends more on and my i don't have deadlines anymore so now i'm um i want to be very clear that whatever i do write about uh, it's something and and this it's not much different from before but it's but it's even more so it's something i i really that really resonates with me so uh, recently, I went to Amsterdam and to The Hague, and I went to see the Vermeer exhibition at the Rijksmuseum, uh, and I love Vermeer, so it, I, I ended up not writing about it, but I ended up giving a talk at the Salma Gandhi Arts Club in, in here in New York. Um, it's a wonderful arts club. It's the third arts club in, in the U.S. Uh, it's very old. It's in the uh, on Fifth Avenue near um, Washington Square Park, and uh, it's it's a beautiful building and it has a lot of history. So I gave a talk there about Vermeer, and then maybe I will write a blog post about it. Uh, but that was pretty much an artist that I love and I wanted to write about. Uh, um, and then the previous article I wrote was for Fine Art Connoisseur, and that I was asked, I was signed to assigned to write about realist art today to give a cross-section of, of oh, that okay. February yeah. issue, Fine Art Cutter Sewer. So that was more like a marathon of trying to come to combine a lot of things all in <laughs> 2,000 words or so. Um, yeah. And for my blog, well, it's, it's going slower than I wish it would. I was hoping to do at least a post once a month. Uh, maybe I, I will be able to, to start doing that again. Um, but basically, my motivation is want to ex expose this world that I've I've come across and 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 show it to others because not many people know about it. Mm -hmm. It's it's a small corner of the art world, I would say, mm -hmm. um, and it's it's fascinating. And I love I love those artists and because uh, they're they're very I find that they're very um, uh, genuine. Mm. their motivation their motivation yeah. what they're doing is, is good um, well so. I love I love this idea that you have to to write about that because I think also it's this uh perception we go to an art gallery and it's this, the the whole um experience of an art gallery and it's sort of if you don't know a little bit or you don't know a little bit about the artist or the the painting it it, it's, it's almost as if you know you you um you, you cannot well I'm not saying not appreciate it but 
I think also for for younger people and and for children, you know, to understand the the story behind the artist or the story behind the painting or something or make them aware to look out for something in the painting. Um, and and just to give you an example, I went to a concert a while ago and I actually read about because I I didn't know much of the com- uh, from the composer. I didn't know the music of the composer. And I just read a little bit of background about him. And suddenly sitting in the concert, I could actually, I noticed things that I read in this article that I then noticed that I wouldn't have noticed if I didn't read the article. So um, it's amazing that, that, you know, that you do this because I think this will make, bring that attention to, for people to go and look at specific things. And maybe they see around that more maybe you make them focus on one thing but they i mean because we all see things in a different way but then just to get that initial um spark to go and to watch you know or to uh, read about it then yes it is a support it is a support to understand it more deeply but but uh, uh, yes definitely <laughs> it, 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 it sometimes uh, I like to go to museums without reading anything and just experiencing it directly and then I will read yeah. about those artworks after or the other way around and I like to do both I think the I do think there's a distinction between uh, art that needs the writing to justify it as opposed to art that just speaks for itself and that's a clear distinction it's almost like a boundary um but I think it always helps for all whatever art that's out there to be written about, um, just to get a deeper understanding from a diff- different perspective. And um, not just about the artist's life, but, you know, what was their thinking behind it? And other, other times I don't want to read about it because I, I want to have a more direct experience and uh, yeah, and try to figure it out on my own. <laughs> Yeah. But do you think uh, looking at paintings, because I've been uh, sometimes, you know, look at something and then I have an idea of one. And, and also when I watch a ballet, for example, my son was uh, took me to a ballet and I had this idea of what I saw. And it was actually not what the what the choreographer had in mind, um, but I had a different story. So do you think we have to also be allowed to have our own story? Uh, even though, like you say, there, there is some facts about art and, and specific artists and specific artworks, but that we also have to have our own story or our own meaning to it. Oh, for sure. Definitely. I would say definitely that you you don't want everybody to have the same story about the artwork yeah. Yeah, because we're all different. So, oh. Sorry for the noise. <laughs> there's, no, no, a, no. <laughs> there's a car honking. Um, I think we, yeah, because we're all different and we want to connect with the artwork very personally. And I think that's also shows how successful that artwork is, mm-hmm. uh, that it was able to speak to so many different people in so many different ways. And it's also interesting to see what are the commonalities that people agree upon as well. So. Mm-hmm. There's always some overlap, I think. Yeah. Uh, usually a little bit of overlap between your own personal experience and what other people think of that artwork or 
when I have our conversations with artists about particular artworks, you know, we'll agree on, on certain things. One thing that I find fun uh, to do or um, is that at the Selma Art at the Selma Gandhi Art Club, they have painting uh, competitions, drawing competitions, and I like to be a ghost uh, judge. <laughs> so, uh, oh, and so um, uh, the judges, you know, will make the first cut and uh, of like maybe 10 paintings. Uh, and they all agree pretty much on that first cut uh, because there's something about those works that that speak more strongly or, or connect with people more strongly. And that first cut of like maybe 10 paintings is easy, but then it gets harder to narrow it down to three and then to the final first prize winner, because then it's, it's not so much a matter of technique uh, or mastery, but, but something else. It's that special thing that we can't quite describe in words. And that is more about maybe personal taste or some, or something else. So, um, um, yeah, there was a, a recent show. It was the annual open and everybody I talked to agreed that the first prize winner was their favorite painting. Um, mm -hmm. Even though all the paintings there were pretty much uh, all very much at this similar technical level in terms of mastery. Um, but it was easy to to find the, the in that case, it was easy to find the first prize winner. Um, but isn't it, uh, I mean, difficult to to think of it this way, that art has to be, that there is this uh, competition, you know, because because it's, it's, but if you say now everybody agreed that it was the same one, this thing that it must be something in that painting that spoke to people. So that is possible to get that. I think so. And then the ultimate test is basically the test of time, right? Oh, yeah. Mm. You know, we, everybody, I think many artists agree Rembrandt is amazing or Michael, you know, all these the greats are amazing for a reason. And, and they've, they've passed the test of time, you know, centuries. And, and so it's, it's clear, um, with artists today, it's harder to tell. <laughs> um, yeah. But ultimately, you know, 100, 200, 300 years in, from now, well, we won't be alive, but, uh, you know. Yeah, what what, what is well, still there is then, you know, also the same, <laughs> the same idea. But do you think also children, for children um, in schools, do you think there's enough done in art? Well, there's been Are they exposed to art uh, enough. Uh, I don't think I don't think art is given enough. Um, I think art education in the past fifty years has has been dumbed down, especially in the visual arts. Unfortunately, um, and I hear this again and again from artists. You know, they say you know they were discouraged from from wanting to learn in a more um, realistic, traditional, representational way. I hear it so many times in so many interviews and podcasts. It's it's across the board, and uh, they couldn't get the education they wanted to in say in a university, so they ended up having to go to a private atelier. And these have popped up in the past 10, 20 years 
everywhere um, now. I mean, initially it was the Florence Academy of Art in Florence, which then expanded to Sweden and for a short stint in New Jersey, and um, then Grand Central Atelier in New York, uh, which was before was Grand Central uh, Academy, and before that it was Water Street Atelier. Um, that's Jacob Collins Ateliers, uh, the, that first artist that I interviewed. Uh, okay, yeah. Um, and, and then many other of these ateliers popped up in, in uh, around the United States, also in London, in England, in, um, in I think there's one in South Africa, um, Australia, um, but mostly in Europe and, and North America, um, also in Mexico, um, to fill that gap, to, to fill that need, because there is a need of, of talented artists who want to learn, uh, they want to they want, they see a master, you know, they see an old master painting at the Metropolitan Museum of Art at the Louvre and they want to be able to paint like that. Um, but there has been this notion floating around some, maybe some years ago or decades ago, um, as if that chapter was closed and that it's impossible to, to paint like an old master. Well, actually it is possible and it still is possible. And that craft hasn't been lost. I mean, it almost got lost because the education was dumbed down so much and it was a tragedy. And I think now we're in a resurgence of, of trying to recover that. Um, and, and that's not necessarily to, to displace whatever other art forms there. I think that all the art forms that are out there should exist, yeah. but there mm -hmm. should be a room for, for all of them. Yeah. But I what I find very interesting is that during lockdown, uh, and uh, I did a, a series of interviews with artists in lockdown and many um, started painting. Yeah. Many started painting. Many musicians, uh, musicians started painting. Wow. And I thought, yeah, and I thought that was so interesting that uh, the moment that they couldn't do this, you know, or, or because I think in in some sense if like music, musicians you know they their story that they always told was that you know this suddenly it's everything has stopped and they had so much more time and they had so much more time to think and free time that they never had in their lives and then but what was interesting is that they then started doing another art form so that the one this, this creative um thing that they have inside to then start painting so yeah i think that maybe we all have that and and, and they just n never had the opportunity to do it mm. that's fascinating yeah i yeah. i i also it's interesting with different art forms in some ways deep down there's similarities you know i also yeah. interviewed some pianists some art some musicians and in terms of, um, you know, when they describe the creative process, yeah. well, you know this very well because you've also interviewed so many, definitely yeah. many. Um, yeah, there's something, some similarities there, or what they struggle with, or how to get inspired. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Also, they start many ha uh, started baking and cooking and things like that, and that made me also realize that that. The, these are forms of art, yeah. you know, because it's creating. It's, it's this, I think it's this uh, human um, need to create. And we don't all do it in the same way, but I think this is why baking and cooking and 
and you know doing that and painting and doing all <laughs> sorts of things and then you hear of a I, I spoke to a pilot the other day who started playing the piano wow yeah oh. so <laughs> <laughs> well that makes me want to learn how to fly <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> but yeah because this is why i when i see these connections you know these like we spoke about science as well i think uh it should be really that art i you know all the different disciplines of art should stand alongside science and maths in the curriculum and languages you know these these um, subjects should all be have equal time, uh, uh, you know, taught, and children should be able to use then art also to express themselves. Because um, what what do schools do now? The art is really you know used just for one hour a, day, a week, sometimes you know, and um, and if you see what like I feel art and music and and dance they don't it's not just about the fact that you do the art form I mean there you already also notice that it you different connections happen in the brain you think differently you look at the world differently so you know even if everybody doesn't become a musician or an artist but it makes you see the world in a different way. Isn't that amazing? If you can think we could have scientists with with an art background who will look at the world in a different way, you know? Yes. They work in a different way. One informs the other. Um, that's, I mean, it's, and, and I think uh, with art education, art is seen as somehow this lesser, subject but actually if you learn the traditional way it can take and 10 years to learn the craft mm. even more so than for a doctor it's mm. I, I one of the my teachers at grand central atelier ananda featherston uh she was a um a physicist before mm. and um and i think in quantum physics and she's super smart and uh she wanted to become a painter. So she went to Grand Central Atelier and she confessed to me, you know, <laughs> learning to paint is harder than physics. Yeah. <laughs> it is I hard in yeah, a particular yeah. way that she's trying to, she's trying to learn the traditional way. She says, this is harder than physics. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, but if you look at art, if you look at all forms of art, uh, um, everything has some, uh, in some way, a physics or, or, chemistry or maths connected to it because if you just think of painting if you just think of paint and if you just think of the chemical processes already yeah. and if you think of dance it's got to do with with physics as well it's got to do with mathematics as well you know so it, yeah. yeah it's it, these these subjects are really all connected um so they they should be that balance that that they are all taught on the same level, I would say. I mean, not, you know, you like uh, we said, it's not that everybody's going to become an artist, but just the the skills that you acquire by doing that art form, you know, will help you with whatever you do later in life. Absolutely. Or just learning mm -hmm. the piano. I wish I would have learned the piano. I mean, it, 
it's you you become ambidextrous you know you're using yeah. both hands you're using both sides of your brain it, it's an incredible skill to learn you, yeah and of course not everybody's going to be concert pianist yeah but it's definitely definitely um worthwhile mm. for sure i i agree 100% yeah <laughs> yeah but um but tell me now what what are still the wishes for you for the future apart from wanting to learn the play the piano <laughs> <laughs> that'll be for another time okay uh, well, you learn. started you started painting so that's yeah. not impossible stick to, stick to drawing and painting for now uh <laughs> So I, I'm continuing. Uh, it's it's summertime now, and the summer just started. So um, I will be going outdoors more to paint plain air outdoors. Uh, I I'm still uh, taking a class at Grisai. I'm I'm painting a Grisai. Uh, very technical. <laughs> it's difficult. Um, I am. Um, writing my book very well still the preliminary parts of it still gathering research uh and that's going very slowly uh but eventually it will get done i'm also um preparing um for i have a residency coming up it will be at in france and uh, chateau archivaux in the champagne region Wow. So it's a residency for artists and writers. So that was perfect for me. So I, my hope is that I will doing landscape paintings during the day and writing at night. Uh, so I'm going to have my first draft done by then, so that then I will work on my uh, my draft and revise. You know, turn on my editor mode and uh edit my first draft while i'm there and paint during the day so i'm preparing looking forward to that uh, i will be going also to um to toscana to italy uh to write about um a workshop that the new masters uh, academy uh it's this uh, online um uh uh art courses online called new masters academy i highly recommend it it's 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 they have great teachers there it's very flexible for people who want to learn online uh and occasionally they'll have workshops in person so they're going to have oh. one in Ghana. i'm going there for a week but i i'm going to write about it for them yeah. uh and, and also take the workshop so that's oh okay <laughs> and, and so i'm looking forward to that and i've also started to help um edit um a translation of a book uh, that's been translated from Russian about Repin, uh, the, the wonderful Russian artist. And it's a book about his life. So a friend of mine, she's Russian and she's translating it and I'm editing it. So oh, that I is think. okay. So that's a new project that just just mm. started. Uh, so I have a lot of things on my plate. Amazing. Yeah. But yeah. how wonderful that you have, uh, you know, so many things. Thanks. Yeah, I, I I just wish I would have more time. <laughs> I feel like a late bloomer, and so I I just want to live to be two hundred so I can do all the oh, things. Okay. <laughs> and also learn the piano. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to say that the piano part I will remember. So I will remember when when I see you play the piano. Okay. Uh -huh, she did it. <laughs> Maybe when I'm ninety. <laughs> 
<laughs> but um, Milan, that was so lovely to talk to you. And uh, uh, yeah, you you've got such a great uh, energy and and so enthusiastic about everything you do. It's amazing, really. Thank you. It's been a pleasure being interviewed by you. Um, usually I'm on the other side. I'm usually yeah, yeah. It's a little scary <laughs> to be on this end of it. <laughs> you made it very enjoyable and, and, and it's oh, an honor oh, to, to be interviewed by you. So oh, it's, it was for me also lovely. And, um, and I hope to see you one day in Vienna. Maybe we meet in person. I would love that. I would love yeah. that. You give me a, a, a reason to visit Vienna. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. So let me know when you're here. Yeah, I will. Okay. I will. And I have a lovely summer in, in Italy and France and um, and enjoy your champagne <laughs> while painting. <laughs> Thank you, Petra. Thank you very much. Okay. Have Thanks. a lovely afternoon. Bye. Bye.